worst moments over there. What is going on, baseball fans? We are back. Welcome to episode 3.1, technically, of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. I'm your host, Jordan Lazowski. We have a full crew tonight. We have Brian Schlosser, Sam Hicks, Jonah Keane, Diego Franco Carino, the other host of this show, who will eventually get his own yeah. intro. I promise. <laughs> good. Packed good. crew, gentlemen, how are we doing? Pretty good. Excellent. Baseball's back. Can't be, can't be better. I, as a Reds fan, I kind of wish it wasn't, but <laughs> reasonable, reasonable take. I mean, I'm a White Sox fan, so I I have legitimately not had a good week. Like this entire week has been bad. Yeah, I'm just not looking forward for oh, May okay. through August. You guys April's have six wins. Six wins. <laughs> double. It's double what the Reds have. It's, yeah. It is double what the Reds have, and we'll get to all this too. So. Our plan for you today over the next hour, start with the standings, lead right into early reactions, overreactions. Just We've got a little over a week and a half of baseball to talk about, and obviously we've learned everything we need to know for the rest of the season, and we're going to tell you all about it. Clearly, yeah. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about the Reds, Clayton Kershaw, offense being dead, and at the time of recording this, Kyle Schwarber just did something incredible, and we're going to have to touch on that as well. So, jam-packed hour for you. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started with the standings. The season ended today. Here is who would be leading each division. At 8-8, eight and eight, the Minnesota Twins would be winning the AL Central. <laughs> At 10-6, and six, the Toronto Blue Jays and New York Yankees are tied for first place in the AL East. And also at 10-6, the Seattle Mariners leading the AL West. In the National League, New York Mets, 12-5. and five. They lead the NL East. The St. Louis Cardinals, 9-5. and five. And the Milwaukee Brewers, 10-6, and six, are tied for the NL Central lead. At the time of this recording, I know there's the Sunday Night Baseball game going on, so keep that in mind. And in the NL West, no shocker here. The Los Angeles Dodgers, 11-4. and four. They lead the NL West. All right, I'm just going to open up the floor. We've got overreactions, early overreactions. Go with whatever you want to start with. What is the number one thing you just cannot wait to say for your first take on this podcast today? And we're going to start with the man making his debut on this podcast. It's going to be Brian. The Orioles just might not be that bad. I mean, they had shutouts of, I believe, the Yankees and the Rays this week. Almost shut out the Angels and then ended up taking, but ended up taking two out of three from the series against them. That bullpen is disgusting. They traded Tanner Scott and Cole Sulcer, and all they have back there is just a bunch of arms that nobody has heard of that all throw upper 90s. So, what they've done this year is turn taken a bullpen full of guys who throw really hard and throw a lot of strikes. So, even though that starting rotation is kind of suspect and the offense hasn't been the strong point of the Orioles like we thought it was going to be entering the year because nobody had heard of anybody on the pitching staff. 
their bullpen might just be good. The Baltimore Orioles being the first talking point is not what I expected. But also at the same time, you look at a team like that, it's they've eventually got to be good, right? Like It's kind of the whole point of the rebuild. I also just watched a ton of guys come out of the bullpen that I had very scarcely heard of before all throw 97 to 99 against the Angels for the past three games. So I just got a firsthand experience of what that bullpen can do. And the first team, and it wasn't the Tampa Bay Rays. It wasn't the Tampa Bay Rays. You would imagine <laughs> if you if you just listened to the pitches hit the glove, you would think it was the Tampa Bay Rays. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Rays, they also just might not be that good. Nine and seven, but I mean, they haven't. They ha- they've 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 shown some some weaknesses early on so far. So it's the Rays. They're going to win 100 games. They're going to make the playoffs. Are we overreacting or are we properly reacting? I'm overreacting. The Rays are going to win 84 games and miss the playoffs. <laughs> Very unraised like to start the year. I would agree with that. It, and it's more their bullpen, I think, has been inconsistent. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what I just but, described with the Orioles is what we used to, we got used to with the Rays. They're just going to throw a bunch of guys that you've never heard of, and they're just going to absolutely shove you into the dirt. Orioles are the next race confirmed. <laughs> That's how it is. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Diego, what you got? Um, the NL, the NL West, um, the best pitcher in that division, maybe all of baseball is going to be Carlos Rodon. That's Shut my up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if he can stay healthy, it was the same way with the White Sox. The only thing that got in his way was health. God, I'm so done. I'm already done with this podcast. I'll be honest. I'm done. I look, he's shoving. He's so he is, and we're gonna have to go on a mini rant because <sighs> you got Quato. Shut up. My 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 concern with the the it's not Rodan. It's the Rodan situation. I just can't look back at that. And figure out how you rationalize not giving at least the qualifying offer. And I'm not yeah. saying, oh, the Sox had to bring him back. The Sox had to do this. Or that. If that wasn't in your plans, fine. That's not in your plans. I'm not the GM. I don't care. You can't let a, guy, a, a five-win pitcher just walk for nothing. You didn't make him an offer. I'm sure they didn't make him an offer. I'd be surprised if they made him an offer. There was... Likely not a competitive offer on the table, and there was no qualifying offer. You didn't even get a draft pick out of it. I, it blows my mind, and, and it also blows my mind how Sox fans reacted to it. Like, oh, he's hurt all the time. It'll be like, no. You understand why he was hurt, though, right? Like, until 2021, no one told him to use his legs when he pitched. No wonder he had arm and shoulder problems. He's throwing 95 with only his arm. He's not going to have arm issues like he had in the past couple of years. Oh, he had dead arm last year. Fine, yeah, because he hadn't thrown 160 innings in a while. Yeah, sure, dead arm. Yeah, oh, yeah, it means he's really unhealthy. Give me a break. I I will move on. But That's going to make you feel a lot better about that? No. Do, would you like to know? Oh, would I like to know? Yes. The White, the White Sox just took a page out of the Rockies book in terms of how they handled their free agency. At least they wasn't didn't spend money on Michael Conforto. 
I was about to say, it wasn't actually meant to make you feel better, but it's like eerily similar to how the Rockies handled story in John Gray. How do you, how do you just, just let... Like it better. Oh, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't supposed I, to. It was. <laughs> I, it was. Not I just the slightest. I don't know how you let a free agent just like that walk. I was going to say, because it's like, yeah. obviously the Sox have some dudes in their rotation, but like... Right. For the Angels, Carlos Rodon is a guy that I coveted very, very highly in the offseason because I thought that he would be able to put up 2021 Robbie Ray-type performances without the actual asking price of the 2021 Cy Young winner because he sure. had those issues at the end of the year. But you, mm-hmm. there's a pretty reasonable expectation that you know, it wasn't any significant structural things, obviously. So there's, there's, you have an expectation that he might be able to build off that, have a higher workload. And even if not, again, there was no significant actual damage to his arm. So it's like, why? I don't get why right. people were shying away like there was. I, everyone keeps saying, oh, he had dead arm. He wasn't healthy. He was healthy last year. Everybody like, gets dead arm. Everyone gets that's dead arm. That's, exactly. that's not like an actual injury. I got, I got yelled at. It's just fatigue. It's just, it's just yeah. exactly. I got yelled at on Twitter because people don't understand what dead arm is. Because I said when Michael Kopech this year inevitably gets dead arm because he's ramping his innings up, like he'll probably get fatigued at some point. And like, oh, you want him to get injured? No. I saw what happens when a guy ramps up his innings. You just saw it last year. I didn't say, wow, I hope he gets dead arm. Yeah, it's, the same <laughs> said, thing with, it's the same thing with Patrick Sandoval. Like, pitchers all the time get dead arm when they have to ramp up their innings. Exactly. Like, this is, this it's is, a, it's not a sign of injury. It's, it's a just sign a of normal thing. And it's wild to me that people can't see the difference. Like, he was healthy all of last year. He was just tired. And the reason he is now healthy, he got Tommy John, and now he knows how to use his legs when he throws. So all those shoulder, elbow, forearm, all that, that's not going to be a recurring issue now because he's mechanically sound. Like, why has nobody thought of that? It blows my mind. The top of Carlos Rodon, that A, the, the, the health continues to be such a talking point, and B, he only got himself the $22 million last year. I guess he'll probably get more once he opts out inevitably, once he's a freaking stud again and gets himself upper-tier 27, 28 long term. He'll get 27 to 31 yeah. pretty comfortably yeah. if he two years, 22 million. Like, I'll happily pay that for two years. Exactly. It's yeah. like, if especially if they keep getting this version of him. If you look at his fan graphs page, it's all red. All I wanted red, to give him. I wanted to give him three or four percentage. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think he wanted like super long. I just, the Giants got him. Matt's got sure. You can <laughs> relax. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. You. Okay. Look at your rotation. Relax. You got Scherzer. You have Degrom. You have Carrasco. You have Tyler McGill as your projected sixth to start the year. Yep. Relax. Yeah. I'm watching Vince Velasquez take the ball in the days right now. We signed Michael. And Michael. Hey, and Dallas greatest Michael. left fielder of all time, Vince Velasquez. You know who he did that against? <laughs> the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, Jose you got hosed by Vince Velasquez. How does that feel? <laughs> I haven't seen him throw a strike that good all year. From the <laughs> so, feels great. Just have them pitch from left. I they should honestly try that with the state of this team right now. I I can't keep talking. Oh, six Jonah, Jonah um, take take the wheel. I 
what do you got? Your early reaction. Lindor's going to win an LMVP. I know that's an overreaction, but he's looking yeah, like he's at least, least... Name of the game. At least he's worth the salary, but what I really want to talk about is we might just see an NL East this year. Um, a lot of teams are struggling early. The Marlins are second in the division, and I think they'll be sneaky good, speaking of teams that could be like the Rays. Um, but they're seven and eight. Like They have the young pitching to maybe carry them, but the rest of the division is struggling. I know the Braves are missing a Cuna. They've already had some health issues. Um, but the Phillies were the team everyone is, was expecting to compete this year, and they just have not looked good at all across the board. Offense has struggled when it should be one of the best offenses in baseball, and their pitching, especially their 1-2, has not carried at all. So I think we might see a race for the bottom after the match this year. I know the Braves will do what they did last year, I but I'm not going to think about it. I know they'll lose in April and May and then win like 70 games over the next three months. It just seems but, to be an NL East thing. Yeah. Yeah. I never bought into the Phillies. Uh, maybe that's the maybe that's my hot take. Not really. It's more so my reaction. I didn't buy yeah. into the Phillies as much as some people did. But like, no, people had them projected to win the division this year. The the, the, the idea that you can just bash <laughs> your way, the idea that you can just bash your way to a, a, a division title and a World Series championship is not how the game is played right now. It's there. There's no bullpen. The, the rotation is iffy. It's solid when you got Nolan Wheeler. You're certainly in a solid. Oh, Wheeler's been, Wheeler's been getting lit up. And yeah, I mean, you figure he's probably. Nolan did look good tonight, though. Yeah, yeah. Nolan looked good. Wheeler will probably turn it back around. It's like, you, you, I, I don't. Bashing your way to a championship, I don't think that's worked for anybody really recently. On like a lesser scale, but what the Texas Rangers did this offseason, bringing in Simeon and Seeger when they had such glaring holes all across their pitching staff and all they filled them with was John Gray. No disrespect to John Gray, obviously, but he's not the type of pitcher who can carry a staff full of five ERA guys. So then when the offense is going to predictably struggle when you bring in guys into a big pitcher's park like the new Rangers stadium is, I wouldn't say a big big pitcher's park, but you know what I mean, like the contrast between old Rangers stadium to the new one. Like it is more pitcher friendly now than it was. So you bring in all these offensive pieces and – you know, Simeon's off to a bad start. I honestly don't know how Corey Seager's been. I think he's been okay outside of the intentional walk with the bases loaded. Don't even get me started on that. Exactly about that. Exactly about that. Like last feels about Carlos Rodon. There you go. There's another talking point for you. But yeah, we're going to talk about I mean, that. Don't you worry. I mean, you have all these holes in your roster. Like you didn't even win 70 games last year. But then all you do is spend a half a billion dollars on Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. They're great players. They're not going to be enough to pull you out of the hole. And people think that they could be a third-place team. They are comfortably fourth in the division still, even after adding Seager and Simeon. All that they become is just a little bit more of a pest because they have those two. And predictably, Cole Calhoun was doing things against the Angels this weekend because, or last week because, of course, he was. He's an old angel, but... They just have like pesky players. They don't have actual like they might win seventy five games this year, and that would be a big deal for that team because they have John Gray. They have a bunch of starters that I haven't heard of. They have a bullpen that's not very good. So respecting Dunning, excuse me, starters you've never heard of. Okay, <laughs> so how about, how about starters Dunning. I've heard of for bad reasons then? <laughs> like 
again, it's a st- it's a it's a, it's almost like they did what the Angels tried to do, where they try to just fix all their pitching problems by signing big name position players. It wasn't going to work. So unless they have a longer term plan in place to fill out the pitching staff in the seven years that they have Seager and Simeon, it's just not going to it's just not going to work. So yeah, real quick, I I, I do want to. I, we we do have to touch on this, and I I, I want to do it sooner than later because I'm going to be crying by the end of this podcast. But the more I talk about the White Sox, um, so I've seen I I've seen I've seen a lot of things. Tony Larusa has been the manager of my favorite team for a little over a year now. I've seen a lot of things, and I've disagreed with about every single thing I've seen him do. I don't think I have seen one thing that I have disagreed with from Tony LaRussa or, or as asinine as a thing of Tony LaRussa has done as walking someone with the bases loaded. <laughs> I don't think it has gotten that bad on the South side. So Joe Madden having fun in Los Angeles, it, it just warmed my heart. Just, just I mean, a little bit. Garcia exists. But... Yeah. Like he's not like, <laughs> like, like I can, you can almost justify walking Barry Bonds or prime Josh, ha- Josh Hamilton with the bases loaded. Not Corey Seager. <laughs> Not Corey Seager. Brian Go for it, Brian. Yeah. First of all, do you know who also <laughs> issued the Josh Hamilton intentional walk? Was it Madden? It was Joe Madden. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> do you know who won that game? Oh, so you're going to spin zone and tell Ray. me. You're going to spin zone Teams. and tell me because you won the game. And do you know... Teams are 8-0 no when they intentionally walk a player with the bases loaded. And that 8-0 no record includes the Angels. Because the Angels won that game. I have nothing to say about anything. The Angels won the game. <laughs> Just, I think terrible managing makes players play better. Nah. That's why the Giants are so good. The White Sox are 6-9, and nine, buddy. I don't know about that. The White Sox are 6-9 <laughs> because they did not they don't intentionally walk hitters. Exactly. <laughs> you intentionally walk players to base load every game you're going to win. Just, listen, I'm Analytics. Saying, the, Joe Madden intentionally walks Corey Seager with the bases loaded. We give up two more runs after that, and then the Angels put up a five spot. He did something right. We won yeah. four in a row after that. <laughs> You know what? That is an A plus spin zone. I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. That was A plus. Hey, that was just the all time play by Madden because he knows he knows the stats. He knows his analytics. Teams issuing intentional walks to the bases loaded historically are seven to zero. It's a one hundred percenter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Analytical mind, Jordan. Doesn't matter Jordan how many runs you give up if you win the game. I've never I, called you Jordan in four years. Yeah, that didn't feel I right. I didn't like that. That's never that happening right. again. I have to look around the screen and be like, <laughs> that's never happening again. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the A-plus for the spin zone. And I do Thank want you. to get to uh, Sam here because we've got – I want to get your <laughs> early reaction to something. What? The Cincinnati Reds have six starters on pace for a Mathis. <laughs> is, that, is, that a, is that a qualified season under 200 or? A qualified season below 60 OPS plus 200 plate appearances. Oh my God. Ugh. Mike Moustakas and Aristides Aquino have negative 
OPS pluses. Nice. We called that all year. I love that. Their best player by our war is a reliever. Good. Is it Santillan? No, no, it's uh, Alexis Diaz. <laughs> nice. Who, in all fairness, has actually. Have I stopped paying attention to baseball that much? Yeah, the, no, yeah. No, I have not heard of him until he started pitching. <laughs> Since he's down <laughs> bad. The more I love the story. Okay, gotta fix this. Uh, more I love the story. Just trade everyone else. Who do you have to trade? Beat them, <laughs> Miracle Mets. Well, not the Miracle Mets. Beat those 62 Mets. Win less than 40 games. <laughs> trade Votto. Trade Tyler Stevenson. I just searched Alexis Diaz on Google. They... The baseball player is like the fourth entry that comes up. <laughs> do they still have Castillo? Oh, I think yeah, they do. Well, he's, hurt. He's, he's, hurt. he's hurt. right? He's got a shoulder thing. He's out till like mm. June. No, I wanted the Angels to trade for him pretty badly until I realized that that would have been asking him to trade for another pitcher with a messed up shoulder. <laughs> you yeah, know, uh, really good recipe for success. Uh, How many of those do you need? <laughs> all of them, apparently. Not more. <laughs> the answer is more. It's called death. Shout out Sean Burnett, the last reliever <laughs> that I was really excited to sign. We signed for two years, and I think he threw an inning and two-thirds with us before he had massive shoulder surgery and missed all of the next two years. Aaron Loop yeah. is literally the first reliever that the Angels signed to a multi-year deal since Sean Burnett didn't throw a pitch for us. Hey, that's more innings than Jed Lowry played for the Mets. <laughs> Shout out Jed Lowry. Shout out Jed Lowry, indeed. I, I and the um, Sam, I did also want to, as we kind of talk about the Reds and, and wrap up some of these early reactions because I don't think I should give one about the White Sox. I've decided I'm going to pass on an early reaction for the White Sox because um, I'm sad. I yeah. want to talk about as we kind of talk about the Reds and the sorry state of the Cincinnati Reds and I am no one to make fun of a team right now. Trust me. I only make fun of Brian. That being said <laughs> um, the Reds owner <laughs> Made some comments. It was it was actually his son Phil. Oh, his son's the son <laughs> Phil of the Phil. owner. Phil, Phil made some comments. I mean, you've seen it as a Reds fan. I think we've all kind of seen it, you know. And and I wanted to tie in the Oakland A's to this a little bit too. The paper bags over the heads, kind of boycotting in small ways. The A's haven't had more than a couple grand at their games recently. Reds owner comes out and essentially says, "Where are you going to go?" And, and I guess, how do you, as a fan of a team that has somebody related to ownership, say that? How, how do you react to that as a fan? You see, my thought process is there is no way in hell that Major League Baseball lets baseball leave Cincinnati. Oldest franchise. Right. Does not happen. So even if Castellini is like, we're going to move a team, even if he does move a team, it's going to be a Cleveland Brown situation. Expansion franchise, same name and everything is going right back there. So my I, I don't know how I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. I maybe nobody else took it this way. I took it more so as like you're stuck with this as red fans, you're kind of stuck with this. Yeah, how it is. This is how the team is. Deal. This is how the team is. Deal with it. 
Like here's the thing: like at some point, even though Castellini says, "Oh, the team's not for sale," his I, I'm like pretty sure his net worth is less than what the team would sell for. So like, I I'm just trying to figure out at the end like, of the day how how do fans. I don't want to say how do fans still show up to the ballpark because I know I would still show up to the ballpark as a White Sox fan. Support that. Yeah, how do you in good faith support it? Oh, I am not going to give a dime to the Reds this season. But but how far can you? My, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. Like you're seeing it with the A's right now. We're only a couple grand are going to those games. Is it is it a strong enough of a comment to to really get fans to rise up to that level? I don't. I haven't seen Reds attendance numbers, and I don't know what they'll no. be. And I'm sure it's still April, and I'm sure that plays a part, given it's the Midwest and the weather and stuff like that. Come summer in Cincinnati, when that's supposed to be a great time to be at the ballpark, can you? How, how can you, as fans, continue to have that same sort of mentality you got, where it's like, oh, I'm not giving a dime to anybody here. Like, it's hard as it is for me to say. Cincinnati is too much of a baseball town to not have 10,000 people showing up minimum. Right. In, in like, in summer. Like, it's just not going to happen. Really, it just comes down to, like, Castellini's going to make probably the same amount of money each season off the Cincinnati Reds. It just comes down to how much he wants to profit. And I don't think there's any way that like the base, like the hardcore baseball fans who are actually doing this, can actually do anything. Because you have to consider like 95% of ticket sales are probably you know, there's average people. They don't care how good the team is. They don't care who's on the team. They just want to go. The, they just want to go to the baseball game. I just. It's a strong point. It is like, I just it's such a frustrating topic for me because it's like. How do you, as Major League Baseball, you just have this lockout. You just lost probably a bunch of fans from the lockout. You're in a state where, and we'll talk about this a little bit, that offense, there's very little excitement going on in the games right now, offensively, for (laughs) non-diehard fans. There's very little that's capturing people. You're not doing yourself any favors with things like Apple TV, um, those types of subscriptions where people can't figure out how to access games or don't have Apple products and can't access the games. Blackout restrictions are still a thing. How, at, at what point do you step in and say, you know, if you're going to make a comment like that, dude, you got to sell the team. You can't really, you can't. It's hard for me to complain too much about the current ownership group because a Marge Shot used to own the team. Going from that lens, it's like, okay, he's like a massive cheapskate who I don't want to own the team. But unless he's, you know, a racist, anti-Semitic monster, the league's not going to do anything about it. What? Brian, did you have a thought? You looked like you were raising your hand as if we were in school. Um, <laughs> I was... I honestly kind of lost where, where I was, but like, I was thinking... We, we've kind of seen instances like the attendance thing, like about, you know, people not showing up to the games, like specifically in the, like with the Florida teams. 
But Tampa Bay, I mean, you can attribute that mostly to the stadium. Like the Trop is pretty widely not very well liked. But in Miami, you know, they built this brand new stadium and then they did not put a very good quality on the field for a while. And then when they did, most of it got traded away. But now I think, you know, there is some more buzz around Miami baseball again. Jonah, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like oh, we yeah. haven't been hearing as much about their attendance numbers because Kim Ng down there is actually putting together a good product on the field. They weren't expected to be good the past few years, which is why I think, like, you know, you see this steady, like, increase in the product that they're putting out there. Whereas you get the A's who historically don't spend. So then you got the A's just managing to get here. And then, you know, they hit a certain plateau and then bam, they're down here again. And then, you know, they get this new crop of homegrown talent and then they're here and then bam, it's down here again. So I think it's less of the actual like field product, the quality of the field product that they put out, put out more than just an actual historical trend of continuing to operate in the same fashion that causes this frustration because you have an ace team that just so narrowly missed the playoffs last year but then instead of spending money to add to it and make a push this year when the defending al west champions are getting worse you just blow it all up and it's the same thing for cincinnati i mean that's not a very strong nl central so it's not like they were necessarily on the precipice of competing but they have a good young pitching staff where you can build some stuff behind but again instead they just blow it all up yeah, the thing with the res rotation is had they not traded away Sonny Gray, that's five potential all-stars on the same staff. You got, like Gray, Maley, Castillo, Lolo, and Green. All of them could feasibly be very good at the same time. And then you trade you trade Gray for a guy who's not going to be in the big leagues until like 2026. It's just like, why? Like then you then you trade your all-star oh, outfielder and then your third baseman who just three years ago hit 49 home runs. I, like mm-hmm. at the very least, I can see the <clears throat> angle of trying to get Brandon Williamson because he's he's good and he fits into their timeline. I mean, but yes, you don't trade away Jesse Winker. No, ever. No. He was amazing last year. You would have like getting just Williamson for Winker and and Suarez specifically from an angels fan who wanted to see a lot more leave seattle's farm was disappointing but like just even from an objective standpoint was kind of surprising i mean they got jake fraley i guess Mm. he's not very good Mm. so they got brandon williamson he is aggressively (laughs) average yeah they got brandon williamson does jake i mean jake fraley barely I mean, I, actually, I, I haven't even watched the Reds this year. Does he play? Sitting 129 on the season. Okay. He's, a, he's a 40 he's overall in no OTP. That's all I need to know about him. Okay. 44 OPS. If, plus o, if OTP doesn't like him, I don't <laughs> like him. I, I just know that Jake Fraley was one of those like really random Mariners outfielders that just obliterates us year after year. So I was super happy to see him leave, again, specifically from an Angels fan's perspective. But like objectively, he's not necessarily a big headliner piece. Career 190 hitter. He's not, like, Career like, 550 against the Angels pretty much guarantee you that. Like, it almost <laughs> seems like like everyone's saying, oh, the Reds are going to compete in 2024. Winker would have still been under team control. Like, they could have competed see... this year. Mm-hmm. Look at the NL Central. If they, if, they made, if they made at least some 
informed moves, they could have very much competed in the NL Central. The Brewers are heavily weighted by a pitching staff with with very little hitting. The Cardinals just exist purely off of Devil Magic. They don't have a lot of talent on that (laughs) roster outside of the corner (laughs) infielders. And then the Cubs are not that good. The Pirates are the Pirates. Like, they didn't have a massive hill to overcome to compete for a playoff contention this year. The thing is, that's where it comes down to. Ownership's goal this offseason was to cut payroll as much as humanly possible. Yeah. And... The worst part is that they succeed in what they are trying to do. So, like, as a fan, you're like, okay, uh, you just have to take it because obviously there's nothing you can do about it. It's like, okay, they can compete in 2024 if all these prospects pan out. Like, Ailey De La Cruz is going to be a great third baseman. Which, again, I'm not... I should be anti-rebuild. And in theory, I am anti-rebuild. But I also understand that there are some economics about this game that I don't think are ever going to change, no matter how much I like or dislike it. I don't think it's as much for me about choosing to rebuild as it is to choose to rebuild when you probably didn't need to. thing is, if you can't afford a baseball team, why do you own a baseball team? It's... It's so beyond not being able to afford a baseball team. It's being able to afford a baseball team on your terms and yeah, getting a certain amount back in order to make it feel profitable. It's a, it's it's the side of the economics and the business of it that I'm just never going to agree with, but I'm just, I, I have to accept well, is there when the I'm prof- going through this stuff. The profit of baseball ownership isn't a year to year thing. It's, buying a team and then it appreciates in value tenfold within like 20 years and then you cash out make it make over a billion dollars that's what the royals did. i know but year to year did you guys they're, not they're learn, businessmen. did you guys not learn anything from the lockout owning a baseball team is not profitable <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really just a hassle you're right. It's really just a pain. It's just such Did an inconvenience to, to have. Com- I don't all? know why I'm doing this. I guess you guys want baseball. I guess I'll continue to make <laughs> millions and millions and millions of dollars for you guys' sake. Oh my god! Don't you guys realize that having a salary floor would be just so detrimental to the game? Yeah. Like, why think would- of think of all the wallets? Because why wouldn't we want major league teams to spend more than twenty eight million dollars across twenty six players? I mean, when you really think about some of those numbers, it's just, it's sad. Especially about the it's fact sad. that there is an extra player on the roster now, and there's teams actively spending under $30 million. Isn't like, Scherzer paid more than, like, three teams this year? Like, making more than three teams are spending this year? Yes. And I think it's the sure. Guardians, the Pirates, and the A's. The the Pirates at $37 million, the Orioles at 45 and the A's at 50 Yeah, and with this whole fire sale thing? payroll. The whole fire sale thing, I think Billy Bean actually did a not terrible job at it. Like he traded think... away everyone. He did. But I don't like, remember who he got back, but there ain't mm, eight. I feel like they could have gotten more back. I was, they could I was have nothing for Bassett. They could was... have gotten more back, but in hindsight They're like, currently competing. Like like Matt Olson, the Matt Olson deal yeah. in particular, I thought was excellent for both parties. I mean, yeah, yeah, getting, that was getting Pache was like Christian Pache is like a one of is probably the best defensive outfielder in baseball. One of the, I guess. See, the thing that didn't make sense about the A's selling though is that if you're gonna sell, 
why last year do you trade Jesus Lazardo for half a season of Starling Marte? I know. And yeah, then in the offseason decide to trade everybody away. It's just, <laughs> it's just like the Chris Archer trade with the Pirates again, but like not as bad. <laughs> But it, exactly, it doesn't match up with historical precedent. No, it, it doesn't. You, 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 that's exactly the kind of player that the A's typically covet, a, a young, very, very projectable left-handed starting pitcher with six years of control, and they trade that away for half a year of an outfielder who was incredibly good for them. Like, obviously, was very, very good for them. But Honestly, Unless they just decided that was the last hurrah and – we're going to blow it up after this. And that score was Which, incredible. Like, yeah. Olsen, Hannah, Chapman. Yeah, then they had incredible. Mania. They had Bassett. Like, they kind of... Like, I mean, you know, there's an expectation yeah. that all those guys are going to leave. Canna, Canna, was, Canna was a free agent. And then, you know, you're talking all you're talking during the season while they're actively in playoff contention. It's like, well, where's Matt Olsen going to go this offseason? Where's Matt Chapman going to go this offseason? Where's Billy in the middle going to go this offseason? So yeah, should, he should go somewhere else because I don't know how he can possibly stand to exist in Oakland for as long as he has. The, 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 met, the method of operation there as, as like a baseball person would drive me insane of like, oh, yeah, oh hey, we got this really good player. You better have him out in four years. <laughs> also, you better get like, good value when you trade him. <clears throat> they have gotten good value, but like I think their best player by our war right now is Paul Blackburn. Yes. Yeah, he's been great, and he's been fantastic. I mean, Frankie Montas, um, like who? Or, exactly. Blackburn and Dalton Paul Jeffries Black- has also been amazing. Paul Blackburn has been in the league. If you're the Athletics really and you can pull amazing performances out of thin air, like why think, not trade trade guys in they, your last year of team control if you're under heavy pressure? No, that's what they always do. They're just a lesser version of the Rays when it's like, oh yeah, I love this trade for the Rays. Who'd they give up? Who'd they get? It's just a lesser version <laughs> yeah. of that. It's a lot of it's a lot of like lesser profile trades with like it's basically, you know, the A's just give up super big name guys because they're just incredible at drafting and developing and you know, they turn guys into something like Olsen, Chapman, Donaldson and then they get just whatever back but then they always end up being good. You like like I understand, like Matt Chapman is a very good baseball player, but I would rather have two good players than one great player, personally. Yeah, but just the risk that they take on all of these trades because they're not ever trading for established major leaguers, right? So what uh, happens and, and, if those players don't end up being good? In theory, that's the point of any rebuild. It's yes, it I is. Mean, yeah, take any rebuild, and it's a stud for two top prospects, and that's exactly yeah. how it goes. So you're, you're, you're assuming that risk every time. Yes, in theory, I'd rather have a stud pitcher and a stud outfielder instead of one or two future studs in that sense versus one current stud. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get the theory behind it. You're absolutely right. You just better hope it works. And to the mm-hmm. credit of teams like the Rays and the A's, like it consistently works. For the Reds in this scenario, I do we have enough historical precedents to say, yeah, this is a team that can – Oh, the Reds, the Reds are one of the worst teams at trading and drafting at the same time. Like, the only way they get good players is, like, through either international free agent signings or losing so much they can't mess up a draft pick. 
I thought they were going to mess up on a game. Sheer for a luck. And then it all comes back, and then to, to, to tie it full circle, it comes back, and, and the owner's son like, says something along the lines of, "Where else are you going to go?" Like, like I, basically, yeah, basically I, I every can't get behind that. basically every player worth anything on the Reds was a top fifty pick. Like, mm. you can't develop a single late rounder. That's like it's very concerning. And again, it just comes back to you know if you're not good in these areas. You, in my opinion, you should just not in any scenario, but especially one like this, you should not come out and be like, well, "What else? Where else are you going to go?" It just like, show, it just shows complacency. You're it's stuck like, with us. It's complacency. It's like, oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, we're bad. So what? It's like like you know you don't have to suck it up and enjoy our baseball. You it's can't just, just be oh suck it up when the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. It's just disrespectful. Honestly, yeah. No, at, yeah. At, some, at some point, like obviously, you're gonna go through bad stretches, but it's not like, yeah. hey, suck it up, we're bad. Like, tr- pretend like you have some vision somewhere. Like, yeah, it's you like... know the the royal the Royals when they were going through their full rebuild before they won that World Series. You you, you almost had me say the Royals winning the Super Bowl because you mentioned the Bengals, but <laughs> when the Royals won their World Series, there was a very very clear vision that was set in place by ownership, like. They pretty much outlined. We're going like, hey, to we're going to be bad. Here's here's what we're doing. Like we're going to be bad for a little bit, but just hang with us. And then you know people hung with them, and it worked. But the Reds yeah. have just done things. They've shown no vision with their moves. They haven't shown any vision from ownership comments, as evidenced by our current talking point. Okay, so we're going I would to like digress, to, and you have to deal with it. I wanna I wanna point out the fact that I don't think any of this is Nick Kroll's fault. No, I don't either. Like ownership is obviously terrible, but I think Nick Kroll gets a set budget every year that is varies by twenty million. I'm an Angels fan. I understand not blaming the GM. So when I'm you, a White Sox fan, when you go into the 20, <laughs> when you go into 2020 and you just sign Castellanos, Mustakas, thinking, oh, I'm gonna have this money for multiple years. And, and, then, and then ownership's like, here's a $30 million pay cut. Make it work. Like, You ever wonder what it feels like to have, as a GM to start a rebuild, get everybody on board, make some decent moves, be ready to take your team over the hump with just your choice for a manager and have the, your, your legs pulled out from underneath you? By your owner, like Nick Kroll and David Bell are going to be fired as scapegoats when they've done pretty much nothing wrong. Like obviously they've made mistakes, but so has every other front office guy. They've been Jerry Depoto and Billy Epler. Yeah. Someone always ends up taking the fall, and it always ends up not being the ones who make comments like, "Where else are you gonna go?" Like that. That that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, and. It's it's a tough question to be like, oh yeah, just don't go to games. Like we love baseball. Like I, I want to go to baseball games. Like I don't think if Jay Reinsworth said that, that I would stop going to White Sox games. Like he's still alive. Like <laughs> like I love going to White Sox games. I love going to baseball games. I would probably still go. You can't fault the fans who don't go. And at the same time, it's going to take something big like that. Yeah. And I give A's fans credit for not showing up. And I give Reds fans credit for putting the paper bags on their heads and gaining attention for it and then getting told it's a to message. take them off. Remember, it's a message. Send remember, a message. On, remember on the uh, Sunday Night Baseball thing earlier, remember they were like, oh my God, the Reds have this, this beautiful stadium. 
right in the heart of downtown, it almost works against them because it makes it so much easier when like to go to a, a game. So yeah. like it's when like if you live in that population center, you got an afternoon, you live in walking distance, mm-hmm. heck just show up to a baseball game. Right. But like whereas the if you're like, bad, you can get outfield bleacher seats for six bucks, so like why not? If you're exactly. the rate, right, if you're so if you're a Tampa Bay native who's like all right, so we gotta you gotta get out of work early and we gotta drive forty five minutes, hope there's no traffic, and we might make it by the fourth inning. <laughs> I, that's what you have to do in Tampa. That's why no I, one shows up. It is, it is it is legitimately sad sometimes. And I don't know much. I, I don't know the ins and outs of other sports as much as I know baseball. I legitimately wonder if other sports fans have these sorts of conversations on their podcasts where it's like, I you're just it. ripping into location issues. You're ripping into... <laughs> Owners just saying, where else are you going to go? I, Other sports don't have 162. No. True. That That's a good no. point. That's like, that, that is a very good point. In football, it's any given season. I mean, yeah. the but, majority but, of baseball games I've been to have been with like under five, 6,000 people in the stadium. Very cheap ticket. Both in Marlins New Park and Old Park. Granted, I grew up a Mets fan, and I was going for the sake of going to a baseball game because that was mm-hmm. the closest stadium to me. But a lot of those games, the ballpark was empty, which meant I could sit anywhere for the price of an outfield ticket. Yep. Yeah, yeah and like honestly, like, if, like if you're like like Miami did everything right with that, they just didn't have a good enough team. Yeah, but they yeah. also should not have blown up. The team. It's like. Like everyone's like, oh, we need to re like Sternberg's like, oh, we need to relocate the race, relocate them to freaking Tampa Bay. Yeah, true. Like the Marlins, if they the Marlins, what they did would be as if they would blow. It's almost as they blow up this year would be the same thing as what they did if they blow up after this year because I do think they're on the verge and they have the stars to do it with Jazz and the pitching. And I would not be entirely surprised if they blew it up again. The Rays, the Marlins, Marlins. yeah. The race should move to Orlando because it's growing a lot more. If they want to get the stadium in Florida, one of the Angels to trade for Pablo Lopez. <laughs> also, speaking of the Mar- speaking of the Rays, I really, also I really like the uh, Manuel Margot signing, or however they got him. Uh, trade. I mean, they traded. For I feel him. like he's been there. They traded for him from before. San Diego for like. Well, and like, I and I feel like ago. I remember him being in San Diego, but that's probably just because he. I don't. Know, I don't know what happened. I like him there. He's a fantastic outfielder, and I think that's kind of exposing the latest market inefficiency. I think this pod has just been us good, bashing on like three teams. Sneaky good outfield signings. Tommy Pham. I do like that signing for the Red. He is on pace to Mathis. <laughs> oh my god. He's terrible. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, to Diego's point, this has just been a podcast where we are just Dogging on teams. For I, I mean, we've got Mets and Giants, so you guys are in a good mood. Angels, yeah. Reds, White Sox. Hey, I'm feeling fine. Second place, nine and seven. Angels are looking I'm better fine. than I thought they'd be. What is this? Football, yeah. nine and seven? What is this? Football, three and 13? <laughs> hey, the Bengals went two and 14 two years. Hey, there's another hey, week. Guess who I'm a fan of, Sam? The Rams. How'd the Super Bowl go? Anyway. <laughs> Diego's a better host than I am tonight. The Super Bowl 
I do want anyway. to talk about. I do want it's to talk about. Line. Children, please. I do want to talk about. Um, you know. Um, I have completely lost my train of thought now. Yeah, Offense bad. is dead. That's part of it. Yeah. Going along with that, we saw a uh, we saw a perfect game. Uh, not not completed. But uh, a perfect game watch. We had a perfect game watch from Clayton Kershaw. And he was pulled after seven innings of it. Um, it's not entirely related to offense being dead. I think that's a huge topic that deserves its own podcast. And I, I think mentioning it as something to watch is worthy because we know that we have had in past seasons and even in between seasons or, or within seasons, um, MLB just continuing to mess with the baseball. And I think, you know, like I said, it probably deserves its own podcast on its own. And it's something we're going to monitor over the course of the season. I think fans should too, is what is going on with the baseballs in terms of how it relates to the offense. If they're now deadening the baseball, trying to get rid of the three true outcome mentality, you're trying to change the entire game of baseball again. But It's a story for another day. But related to it is the perfect game bid by Clayton Kershaw that was heavily divisive, as I'll put it, and was cut short, exactly. After seven innings and 80 pitches, Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw both citing it being early in the season as one of the main drivers along with the short and spring training as to why 80 pitches was sort of the max there. I want to get everyone's opinion on this because I think it's an interesting topic and fans have been heated to eh, whatever and everywhere in between on that. I'll start with Brian. I had very strong opinions of it when it happened, mm-hmm. but then ultimately I became very at peace with it because Clayton Kershaw was actively involved in the decision to come out. If that had been a 100% Dave Roberts decision, I would have still been kind of mad about it. But the fact that Kershaw seemed pretty at peace with it being a thing that was going to happen, even though he was seven perfect, I, I don't care. It's, it's his game. Like We can be mad about him not getting his game all at once, but it's still his. And the fact of the matter is, it was it probably was the right call. His fastball was sitting in the 80s in his last inning like he was like touching 90 in his last inning of work in that game so there was something to the fact that he hadn't been built up yet so again specifically the fact that he was fine with it i'm fine with it sam your thoughts i'm gonna have to disagree i mean i don't like i understand like the concerns about kershaw's arm but there hasn't been a perfect game in 10 years let Clayton Kershaw throw 65-mile-an-hour curveballs and 80-mile-an-hour fastballs. Like, don't think they should have taken him out until he allowed a base runner. There hasn't been a perfect game in 10 years, but there hasn't been a pitcher like Kershaw in about 20, if not longer. And I would like, I, I would much rather like to see the career of Clayton Kershaw be extended as far as possible than see a one-off perfect game. Jonah? I'm on the exact same page as Brian. I was first like very mad, but hearing Kershaw's statement 
as much as I would have loved to have seen it and like maybe a bit biased towards that, ultimately hearing Kershaw's statements, I do want to just say two things. One, we had seven inning no hitters last year. Can we just award him the perfect game? <laughs> and two, um, just blame the owners because I feel like he would have been let to go at least to a hundred if he had a full spring. Diego, where are you going to fall? You going to split it or what's going on? I mean, I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle of everybody. Um, uh, to Brian's point at first, I was also very, I'm like, why Dave Roberts, you're garbage. Why would you do this to Kershaw? This is the one thing he has left in his career to really accomplish. And then after the game, he's like, yeah, that was, I wasn't feeling it. It was the right decision. I'm like, okay. And ultimately, like Brian said, it was his game, but, and like, I would like to see Kershaw's career extended uh, as much as I hate the Dodgers and everything. It's probably going to be a career Dodger and all that. Cause that's how it is with Kershaw. Um, it's, I do enjoy watching Kershaw pitch as long as it's not against the Giants, but it's he's a generational pitcher, probably the best in the last 20 years, like Brian said. So I would much rather get another two years of Kershaw if he pitches the way he's been pitching than a perfect game and have it essentially like ruin the end of his career. So I don't know, but like also like seven inning notable achievement from last year. Let's give Kershaw one. Why not? I'm gonna ride on the same. I'm gonna ride on the same train as Kershaw having an opinion on it, kind of. And it, it, it it's the end of the story right there. Like Kershaw everyone says can complain all they want. Pissed. Yeah, if, like, since Kershaw says something, people are okay. With I mean, that's a veteran who has a say in something like that. He chose. Yeah. He probably didn't want to, but it was like, I see the bigger picture, and it, for him. Another ring was more important than the perfect game. And I get that. He might throw. Guy he might throw. Yeah. Struggled with injuries as much as he has the past few yeah. years. I will say, if he gets injured like badly now, everyone's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> Wish well, he had it. Well, let's remember here that Dave Roberts is not the reason that Kershaw doesn't have a perfect game. Hanley Ramirez is the reason that Clayton Kershaw does not have a perfect game. <laughs> He's right. There's Man. always a spin zone with you. Marlins the second legends. worst defensive shortstop in history is the reason. But Dave Roberts is the reason Rich Hill doesn't have a perfect game. Oh, damn. If only that there was a Yankees fan here <laughs> to comment on that. We never want Yankees fans anywhere, Sam. As I said, also might be a good thing that we are running out of time to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I will say, though, that I do think there is something to be said for the fact that you're the if, like it's the Dodgers. They could have given Kershaw like a week's rest, and it would not have. They would not have missed a beat. I mean, no, but I hate the Dodgers, man. <laughs> Why do you have Yankees money and Rays smarts? It's so stupid. <laughs> Oh God! As we come to the end here, we're we're heading towards our last few topics. You know, we all hate Yankees fans, apparently, and you Yankees. know, what reason? Yeah. The Yankees in general, and then we love Peyton and hate the rest of Yankees. That's relocate the Yankees to. We don't hate Peyton. Peyton, who's our managing editor, we don't hate Peyton. We don't. But hate, we don't hate Adam Koplik. We don't hate Adam. We Koplik. also like Cop. That's the end um, of us. But. 
I, I do want to talk about a larger topic here, and it's going to be – I'm going to lump the Miles Straw Yankees fan incident after the walk-off by Glaber Torres earlier this past week, fans throwing things at uh, the outfielders at Yankee Stadium, the Cleveland outfielders at Yankee Stadium, uh, saying things to Stephen Kwan out in left field – and I'm going to pair it with two other topics. Tim Anderson getting a one-game suspension for flipping off a fan who yelled, hey, Tim, nice hit, or something along those lines when he grounded out after the eighth inning, flipped him off. And I'm going to lump also Kyle Schwarber into this, who just had <laughs> the most legendary ejection <laughs> in a very long time. And if you haven't seen it by the time this comes out, you need to go, go watch it. Like immediately and i'm going to lump them in by asking this question you know we we saw players react in three different ways we haven't seen anything come out about unless i missed it haven't seen anything come out about what happened in new york tim anderson obviously is the suspension and at the time of this recording schwarber's probably going to get a game at the very least and maybe we maybe this is a topic for further as we wait for maybe those other two sort of rulings to come out if anything comes out. But where do you start to if you're Major League Baseball making these decisions as to how to handle these situations? Where are you trying to draw the line between giving a reaction to a bad situation? And how do you draw that line in terms of both fans and or umpires being involved within all of this? Because now you're getting to an area where, you know, you're trying to do it based on precedent. And you're having a very hard time doing so, honestly, at this point. In many ways, you might be starting to set a precedent for how you react to these sorts of things with more things being caught on camera. Where do you start to draw the line of this is a fine this is a game, this is two games, and so on and so forth. There's certain uh, levels. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's certain levels of, like, you know, professionalism that, you know, should be required from people with that much um, platform and pull. Like, we know, that, I mean, it, it happened in basketball a few days ago, too, with Kyrie Irving. But there's a certain point also where fans shouldn't just be allowed to be safe to do whatever they want just because they're fans. So I don't disagree with like, you know, if it's completely unwarranted, like I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't fully know the Tim Anderson situation, but like if MLB does anything to Miles straw, they're wrong. Like they're just entirely wrong in that, in that scenario. If MLB does anything to any member of the guardians, they're wrong. The Tim Anderson one. I don't know. I honestly I don't think that – I mean, if, if all Tim Anderson did was flip somebody off, I don't even think that's that, that's that bad particularly. Obviously, you want, like, pro, like you know, healthy engagement with your fans or whatever. That can be healthy engagement depending on what it is. If it's, like – like, it doesn't have to be malicious, you know? I mean, tell me that tell me that you guys haven't flipped somebody off just be La, – Laz, an hour ago before we started. Before we even started. You saw me. <laughs> When you saw me for the first time, I in that saw month, you. It doesn't saw have you to talking. be. It doesn't have to be malicious. Like that can be friendly engagement on its own. And obviously, it's not like the professional one, the professional type that you want. But I mean, you know, you can lob, you can lob a fine there, like a, you know, 
th- th- there's a certain point where you don't necessarily have to suspend somebody for that, like on the Tim Anderson standpoint of like, you know, thirty like thirty thousand dollar fine or something. I don't I don't know how much fines are, man. That's just so much money. But, um, <laughs> you know, it becomes like a repeated thing, and then you know, then you hear, start just you know, there's some animosity. Then you know, you can take more administrative action against it. Like I'm sure there will be against Swarber, and like I can. I can understand it because, you know, it's just like umpires are technically the authority figures at baseball games and you show one up like that. There's probably some repercussions that have to go into that outside of a fine. So Swarber probably will get suspended for, you know, a game. I would be shocked if he didn't get at least one game for that. He didn't bump him or anything, but an outburst like that. I mean, you know, but for things like as it was, yeah, it was Angel Hernandez to be fair. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, there's, there's different tiers of that. Miles Straw, if, if you punish him, you're wrong. Anderson, I would probably levy more of a fine than an actual suspension on that because, like, it's unprofessional, but I don't think it's particularly bad. I don't know. Again, I don't know the situation, it's but I don't think that has to be considered a malicious act, per se. And then Kyle Swarber, I think, is kind of on a different realm than those two, but his is more just kind of funny than anything but like but like to me schwarber's is like the most clear you probably need to suspend this guy yeah yeah Yeah, i I would almost almost say like it's like it's 2022 it'd be very like when someone is when like someone is like being legitimately like terrible from the stands i think there's you can you should be able to suspend a fan like that, you should be allowed to do. Like I know baseball has done that. They should do that more often. It just becomes harder to enforce at a point because, like, yeah. the players are the players are going to show up every said, day. Ideally, you set a you set a precedent. That, hey, yeah. don't do this. You don't get to come back. And ultimately, it's not going to be one fan because I know. I think Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. Like Corey Hunter used to always talk about how he would be called slurs like all the time. Yeah. So, so it is of, definitely, yeah, yeah. It, it's more of a fan problem. And I might end up writing an article about this. It's more of a fan problem. And it, how do the players, they should be able to be professional. But, like, people are get, going to get mad because, like, these players aren't being professional and doing things that maybe are exposing children and because they have a bigger stage they're the ones being shown but like you're also exposing children to this like at the end of the day i i'm sure miles draw like what they were saying to stephen kwan was probably if i had to guess a bit racist um i don't think they've said anything what has been said by the yankees fans um straw just defended his teammate i think players should be allowed to defend their team. I think players should be able to react or at least be like, cut that out. I am happy to see, like, I was happy to see what, as much as I hate to say this, um, Judge and Stanton be like, yo, you can't do this. That was a bigger thing for me in the whole situation because I honestly did not expect that. Usually you just have like the security guards be like, okay, come on, game's over. (laughs) So I, that's my takeaway from that situation. I actually have not been paying attention to Tim Anderson at all this year. Um, so I couldn't tell not. you about that. Uh, I can't really talk to that. Um, I don't care. So, um, but Torba should not be suspended. It 
Like he will be, but he shouldn't be. So like he... that that was an appropriate reaction, in my opinion. That, it was I feel like enough. people forget that like uh... half of I mean Schwarber should be suspended, but like in the other cases, like I don't think like these are like twenty somethings whose only job has ever been being a baseball player for the most part. Yeah. Like, I don't think we should be expecting, like, the utmost emotional maturity out of them. Yeah. First of all, and frankly, I don't think that, like, they're not, like, creating, like, these situations. They're reacting to situations. Yeah. And that should not be punished by anything more than a fine. Yeah. I just yeah. think it's hard because it's going to keep happening and there's no real way to control it. But without controlling it, it's just going to get worse. Like, this is going to happen, not necessarily throwing things on the field, but just, like, cursing out players. And honestly, I love going to games and, like, having some banter with the players, um, being that annoying fan in the crowd, but, like, not to the point of, like, cursing out players or being racist or anything, just making fun of them for striking out or something. So... Uh -huh. Your ex woe is lower than your actual woe. <laughs> well, usually, usually we're making oh. fun of their name, their name, their say height. That coming out of the game. It's but... phenomenal. Oh my god! <laughs> At the end of the day, these players are players are people. That's yeah. I think that's what's so lost on everybody. These players are people too. With uh, the Yankee situation, it's the fans creating a hostile environment. Like, what are you going to do? Just sit there and take it because you're a baseball player? No, you're a I human. Agree. There's nothing wrong with being like, "Hey, stop doing like treat treat each other, treat players, treat each other as human beings first. And that's really, I think it's that simple. With uh, with especially with the Guardian situation with um, Timmy Anderson, it's not I. At least from what I know, not a hostile thing, not creating a malicious environment or anything. I think it's probably okay. But Schwarber thing, it was a. It seemed kind of like a hostile reaction. Granted, as uh, justified, it may or may not have been. Um, Schwarber's going down is going to be going down as a legend for this because Angel Hernandez is a terrible umpire. The way you fix that is get Angel Hernandez out of baseball. Anyway, can we just but, give um, him his pension? <laughs> honestly, but yeah. yeah. Um, Players are people, umpires are people, everyone, treat everyone with respect and these issues go away. Unfortunately, that is lost on places such as like, as Brian and Jonah kind of mentioned earlier, like places like Boston, where the fan bases are kind of known for being outwardly racist, which is real unfortunate to the majority of Boston fans, I'm sure, who are not this way. But that's just kind of the reputation you they have there. And it shouldn't be one that has persisted for as long as it has. And so I just think that's it's a it's more of a humane issue rather than a baseball in particular issue. It's just baseball is always going to side side with the people giving them the money and then rather than the people taking their money. Treat everyone with respect. That feels like a great place to end the podcast. Treat everyone with respect. Make fun of people's ex woba and woba discrepancies. Yeah, just make, <laughs> make fun of that instead. We oh, went from ragging on the owners to having a wholesome episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one another. Yeah, but billionaires aren't people. Treat <laughs> billionaires with disrespect. Everyone else with respect. Can we have a uh, Bob Castellini be the appetizer? Oh my god, we were so close to just ending on a nice, nice note. Yeah, but I still exist. I know. It's all right. Baseball all right. Still happening, so that's a plus.
Baseball's yeah. still happening. Treat people with respect. We'll be back next week. If you found our podcast and don't currently follow us, make sure to do so at Diamond underscore Digest on Twitter, Diamond.Digest on Instagram, Diamond-Digest is the website. We were really consistent when we put that can all just, together. Can you just change the Twitter handle? No, somebody owns it, and we have tried in the past. I'll, this I'll is, give them a crisp $20 bill to give it back to us. We have tried in the past. We don't think the account is active. Is it Pathan? No, I don't know who it is. But anywho, thank you for tuning in. Uh, like I said, we'll be on Twitter, Instagram. We've got articles coming out all the time. Make sure to follow all of our writers here. Make sure to follow anyone on our page that you see come across. There's tons of good content coming out all the time, and especially now that the season's ramping up, there will be plenty more to come. If you don't play our daily Wordle game, Wendell, <laughs> we're on like 57 of them now. Diego, who yes. has been cranking these out daily yes. it's the latest <laughs> craze on Diamond Eye. Just make sure to tune in and have some fun with it. But that's going to do it for us on the first this week in baseball episode of the year for Brian Slosher, Slosher, uh, Diego Franco-Carreno, Jonah Keane, Sam Hicks. Gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. This is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. Go baseball. Go, Go baseball. baseball. And we'll see you next week. Take Thanks care. for my name being the only one you had to pronounce twice. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> hey, at least Take it, care. <laughs>